Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. In just the last 14 days, I have turned 41, I have run over a squirrel, I have spoken at an intimate gathering, I have spoken at an 800-plus event, I have gone on live radio, I have gone on live TV, I have gotten a rejection letter, I have sat at a deathbed, I have attended a funeral, I have gotten a ticket, I have received one of the more thoughtful gifts I've ever been given in my lifetime. I have broken up a fight, I have befriended a stray, I have had a house guest, and I have gained three pounds. And this is all of our story, isn't it? The details are different, but really, isn't it all the same? Stressed, pulled, too much, the too muchness of it all. Life comes fast. And a little proof that life had been coming too fast for me was recently going to a party and trying my hardest to look cute, even though I felt like I'd been hit by a truck, and then looking down at my feet about 30 minutes in and gasping, and then scolding my husband for apparently not caring about me since he let me leave the house with two completely different shoes on. I mean, one of them was open-toed and the other one wasn't. And this is just everyday life, the day-to-dayness of it all. Stressed, pulled too much. But what about when tragedy strikes? What about when the thing that we've been praying against materializes? What about when our greatest fears are realized? Gone too soon, a terminal diagnosis, a completely avoidable accident, an atrocious act of violence. Because it happens. And it's bad theology to think that because we love God, we are perfectly protected from pain in this world. Suffering happens. Jesus tells us it is so, and we certainly see the proof everywhere. Following him doesn't mean that the bad thing won't happen. But it does mean that we won't be crushed by it. When I search the Bible about fear, I see mostly, really only, that I'm told not to. But, but my concerns are logical, but being afraid is natural, but my fear, it protects me. As I've searched my heart on this topic of intense pain and my deep desire to avoid it, I can see that it's not fear itself that is sinful, but instead, it's an unchecked fear. It's when worldly fear trumps my fear of God, that's what is sinful. So my trust, it can't be in pain-free living. My trust has to be in God taking care of me, no matter the circumstance. And he doesn't promise me safety in this life, but he does promise me himself. Fear, it's so individual, but it's also completely universal. It's an equalizer of sorts, because don't we all have our own worst nightmares? 
In a moment, you will hear my friend, Jamie Sewell, share her own personal nightmare. She will show us how she personally puts into practice to the point of pattern looking at every event in her life with heaven in mind. I was on my way to my parents' house the other day, and there's a dirt road I love to take to get there. The branches of the trees from either side of the road reach towards each other to make a natural green tunnel, and while driving through it, I was praying for all of us. I was completely at a loss regarding the darkness that so many of us seem to be in the middle of lately, and I don't have any wise words whatsoever. But he does. And all I was left with while I was praying in the middle of that tunnel of trees was this. In the face of evil, we are to put on the armor of God so that we can stand our ground with a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, and feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We are to take up the shield of faith which extinguishes arrows from the evil one. And finally, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, all of this from the book of Ephesians. The Lord would not have told us to put on our armor if evil could be withstood without it, and the war has already been won. We're just not home yet. In this changing of seasons, I looked into my rearview mirror at the tunnel I was now on the other side of, and I noticed the greens fading and the leaves loosening their grip, and I was reminded that nothing in nature stays in bloom for all seasons. And oh, today is one of those days for me. But I know this. I can't live thinking that the next moment is more important than this one. So because of that, I will lean in and know that I am supposed to be right here. From the book of Hebrews, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. This is my friend, Jamie. We've been friends for four years. She is a sure and steady partner, full of wise counsel and a beautiful yogi. Together with the Lord, she anchors my soul. It's very mutual. <laughs> Wait, how long have we been talking? Oh gosh, I don't, I don't even know what time it is right now. I know. See, yeah. we just, I... We've covered a lot of ground. We've And in, <laughs> it's it's intense, it's deep, and we we couldn't have recorded that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear that. <laughs> we couldn't have recorded that, but we should have been um, recording this podcast, but when we get together... We just need to catch up on yeah. all the things. I don't get to see you often, but gosh, when I do, I I don't ever forget how much I adore you. Yeah. But there's something about being in your physical presence that yeah. is just a balm. I just oh. love you. Oh, I love you too. Truly, <laughs> truly. Um, so I don't know. I've, I've gotten a little guarded with my time lately. Okay. Um, and so I've just... I've always had, you know, pretty good boundaries, but I've just had to draw the lines a little darker or yeah. something lately, yeah. just as I become more busy. And, um, anyways, I was kind of joking you have a with baby. you, right? <laughs> There's just been some, you know, transitions, Why? but, um, I was joking with you, not joking, but I, 
it just came out of my mouth, but like, we need a weekend together. Mm -hmm. And we looked at each other and like our eyes said the same thing, which is like, wait, I would really do that yeah. with you. Yeah. <laughs> this is not just like fluff, fluff, fluff talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, forthcoming mm-hmm. you and me weekend away. I'd love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to tell you are a center St. Sister regular. Yes. Season three. Uh, this is your third time on. I love it. So you should know, I don't know that I've ever told you this, but episode one, spiritual friendship is the most downloaded episode wow. of all time. I know. That's cool. And the most shared. Wow. Isn't that great? Wow. <laughs> so everybody go check out um, season one, episode one. And then season two, episode nine, I believe, is the prayer episode. Okay. So, and people had lovely things to say about that too. Mm. And today we're going to talk about, it was actually our intention last season and it didn't end up working out for reasons that are boring. Um, <laughs> we don't need to tell the world about how untechnologically advanced I am. Um, but the way that I met you is so unusual. I've never met mm. a friend like this before, but... Um, I was a part of a Bible study and a, a part of that Bible study was meeting as a large group once right. a month or, or something, um, regularly, but not often. Right. And each time they would have a speaker come in and share some wisdom. And it was you, you were the speaker that had come in and I was probably, well, we were at tables, but I was probably about, meh. you were front row. Yeah. I, I remember. Mean, I, I so remember. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but I, I wasn't that far away from you, and yeah. you were telling a story about a, a trauma that you had experienced, which you'll tell everyone here in a minute. And there was um, something so simple mm-hmm. about the way that you talked about this unbearable thing, um, this very specific kind of suffering mm-hmm. that you had experienced. Yeah. I just, I feel like a lot of speakers get up, and I'm, I'm one of them, and so I, I don't even say this in an insulting way, but there are a lot of um, speakers that get up and use a gimmick to try to get you to follow along with them. And so they might tell a joke or they might use some kind of icebreaker or they, I don't know, they, they might kind of trick you into liking them in some way. And it's, and it's useful because when you're trying to be efficient, yeah, like yeah. I need to, I need to kind of hook you yeah, right, right, sure. <laughs> so that we can walk these next 30 minutes together or whatever. Yeah. And there was something so simple about the way you told your story that there was, there was no gimmick. There was no trick. There was no hook. It was just you and the truth. And it spoke to my soul in such a deep way that it, I had to find you later and take you by the shoulders Mm -hmm. and say, you are special. You are so, so special. And of course the story, um, is, is riveting and dramatic and holy. I mean, Mm -hmm. of, of course there's that as everyone will hear in a minute. Um, but there's also something about you. And um, very shortly after that, so I had taken you by the shoulders in that way. Yes. <laughs> in a parking lot. <laughs> and, um, and then very shortly after, you got invited to be a keynote speaker at oh, yeah. um, Something for Victims. Yes, right. And you contacted me to yep. say, I just want you to know that... I would have never considered this. I would have been yeah. like, oh, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Maybe you'd like to speak to my husband. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because of what you said to me in the parking lot, I, I'm going to say yes to this. Yeah. 
that same morning, unbeknownst to you, because you had to like search for me on Facebook yes. to send a private message. Yes. And I found that you did some kind of Yahweh yoga and I was curious. Well, <laughs> I had been praying about, I feel like I want to offer her this because you were a missionary that was coming back. That was yeah. actually part of your talk was right. here's how you can serve missionaries in, what do you have to offer? in your community. Right. You know, what do you have? Here are some creative ways that you can right. support people. Yeah. And I was thinking about you that very morning. And then wow. I was thinking, I don't know. Some people are really cautious about yoga. I don't even if, know if she's, <laughs> you know, like active or, you know, yeah. enjoys that sort of thing. <laughs> but I feel like maybe I should kind of offer her these yoga classes I come home and I have a private message from you saying, Hey, I think I want to take the speaking gig because of our conversation. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but I was just praying about if I should offer you yoga this morning. Are you at all interested? And you were like, I love yoga. Yes. (laughs) And I love Jesus. How perfect that it's together. (laughs) And so our friendship was born. Yes. It felt so divinely. Oh yeah you know, put together. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had some of the holiest moments of my life in your Yahweh yoga class. Mm. Like God has done deep, deep work in my life. And I'm so grateful. Thank you for saying that. I mean, thank you. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. So I know your story and I've heard your story and there are overwhelming emotions regarding it. Yeah. Um, So as best you can for a bunch of people you don't know that are rooting for you and love you, do you mind telling your story? No, it really is an honor to share this story because it is God's story. And it truly is one of my favorite stories. Mm. And like every time I say that, I think people must think, what? That's really weird. But it's because of the way that God shows up and redeems, you know? And so I love to tell this story and people are always hesitant to ask me to share it, but I'm like, no, I love it. I love to share this. Mm -hmm. So, um, my family and I were missionaries in Kenya for about seven years. And, um, yeah, about in the middle of that time or toward, yeah. Um, about 2013, we were at a soccer it was just a gorgeous day. It was a gorgeous September day. And it's really funny that we're like recording this right now because we're right after September 11th mm. and right before the anniversary of this day, September 21st. Mm. And so it's a super poignant time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was September 21st, 2013, and it was gorgeous. Like, I mean, a beautiful Nairobi day. And um, my kids were playing soccer, and we were trying to figure out where we were going to go shop for a suit for my oldest son because he had gotten accepted into Model United Nations. And You're in Nairobi? Nairobi, yeah. Kenya. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I appreciate that. Do clar- help me clarify. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, we finally decided where we were going to go. We chose a mall that we don't usually go to, but it's one, you know, a lot of Westerners would go to because, yeah. And um, it's called Westgate Mall. And we got there about 1226, went through the normal security measures there, like they search your car and all this stuff. And we went up, parked up top and got our parking validation. And that's why I know it's 1226 because um, we kept it because it was very significant, the timing of that. And um, walked in, and we were all hungry. And we had heard that there was a new restaurant called Urban Burger. And you're always searching for a good burger in Nairobi, Kenya, because mm-hmm. it's not Texas. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, we were. We thought, well, yeah, let's try this new restaurant. And we we walked down one flight of stairs, 
and we see a suit store and there's a sale. And we mm. were like, what? There's never sales in, in um, Kenya. And so Chris and Gavin decided to go ahead and go in there and check out the, the suit sale. And um, my four other children, younger children, and I um, went down to the lower floor. And I'm going to take a minute and pause and tell you my kids' ages real quick. Um, my youngest son was six, almost seven. He was a week from being seven. My um, next oldest was eight, uh, two weeks from being nine. Then I had a, an 10-year-old and a 13-year-old or 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. Those were their ages. So the 16-year-old and my husband were in the suit store and the younger ones and I went downstairs. And I take the stairs. And so we took the stairs and instead of the escalator. And um, all of this is significant. We, I let my daughter window shop. She loves to window shop. And normally we'd be, you know, get to the restaurant, get to the table, whatever. But we were, you know, I let her window shop. And so we took a little extra time. And as we were rounding the corner to go to the restaurant, um, we heard what sounded like explosions and gunfire. And I can remember stopping and like just time freezing and then just mass chaos mm. ensuing and people screaming and the gunfire was continuous. And what we had walked into and almost out into the, the line of fire, that was, that was their entrance point where we were turning to go. And, um, so we're running and I'm, I'm thinking we need to get inside a store. We need to hide, mm. but I could see my girls on ahead of me. And so I just mm. followed them yeah. and, um, they were just following this mass of people. Oh. And um, I remember my son falling to the ground and having to pick him up by the hand to, to run on and um, and then cr going with the crowd and, and going through a narrow corridor um, that led outside, but um, not to freedom. It was just an outside kind of courtyard area. And um, and just the, the faces of everyone, like, just wondering what in the world and, and what do we do next? And then we heard a second round of gunfire and that sounded like it was just pursuing us. And I remember a Kenyan man scooping up my son and carrying him into the storage or receiving area of Nakamot, which was um, like Kenya's Walmart kind of thing. It was like this, it was a grocery store that was inside the mall. And, um, and I remember a, a, an Indian woman like, guiding us and putting us in this little near, it was like this size mm. this, between your couch and your, anyway, it's like about 18 inches, mm. this little narrow, um, walkway. Mm -hmm. And, um, she tucked us in and like, mm. like, like gave up that spot. You know, she could have had that spot, but she gave it to us. And, um, and I, we ended up with two little boys sitting next to us, um, on crouched down on the floor. And, um, there were probably about 50 people in the room, something like that. I'm not good with numbers and crowds and whatever, but, um, uh, they're just, I just remember confusion and, and anxiety and like, it just, the energy of the room was just fear. And uh, is it quiet? No, not quite at all. Like you're hearing gunfire and explosions and screams and, um, but are you in that room? Are y'all quiet together? We're, yeah. Everybody is just like, looking at each other, trying to figure out what's going on. And, and it whispers every once in a while, like, so it, uh, it's, you're hiding. It, yeah. We're hiding. Yeah. We're hiding. We're all hiding and trying to, to figure out what's going on. And, um, after a while, I was finally able to get a hold of my husband and, um, he had been a cop and had been SWAT bomb tech. Like he knew those noises. He knew where they were coming from. And in his, when he shares the story, 
he shares that at that moment he knew where we were supposed to be. And we were in a restaurant. We were headed to the restaurant that we later found out there were no survivors in that restaurant. Had we been a few minutes earlier, we would have been sitting Without window shopping, without taking the yes. stairs. Yes, mm-hmm. we would have been sitting in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we I wouldn't be here today, probably, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so he that's what so he thought. he's upstairs in the suit store yeah. with your oldest son. Yeah. And, and it, he thinks... I just became a single dad. That's what mm-hmm. he's thinking. And um, so he... We... Um, we were able to make contact and he said, stay tight. I will come for you. And so that was my plan. Stay tight. He's going to come for us. And the two little boys had been separated from their mother. Mm. And so I was sharing with them, my husband is a police officer and he, he, he's going to come for us. He's going to don't, we're going to hide here and we're going to be okay. And, um, anyway, did you believe that? I did. Oh, I didn't doubt that he would come for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, also at that point, I remember thinking, well, let me back up a little bit. So the, one of the ladies gets a phone call and we, we all just kind of assumed, I think that it was just a brazen daytime robbery, you know, that there was a bank in the mall. And so that's, that made sense that that would be what it was. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this one lady gets a phone call and she says, I'm hearing that this is not a robbery. This is a terrorist attack. These are Al-Shabaab, which is the Somali version of Al-Qaeda terrorists, and um, this is a terrorist attack. And you could just feel the the room shift Mm -hmm. from just like we're waiting, you know, we're just waiting it out to we don't know what's going to happen. We don't, you know, there was just a total shift Mm -hmm. in the room. It was Mm -hmm. just bizarre. The promise of this being over. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Was so unknown at that point. Mm-hmm. It's like we thought they'll get the stuff, they'll leave. Mm-hmm. But this was no. That's different. And um before they were after money, now they're after you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember um I forgot to say that one of the sweet things that happened was um the Nakamot workers who were back there, I remember them passing out water <laughs> at one point. I just I say that because there were so many little kindnesses, you know, when something so awful is happening. And the man picks up your son. Yeah. The woman gives up her spot. Like, isn't that beautiful humanity, you know? And they passed out water. And so we had water for the whole time we were trapped in the mall. And um, anyway, um, so the... I I get a call from Chris saying the same thing. and, um, And he's able to get on social media and say, don't come to the mall. Um, it's under attack and, and, and that caused a wave of prayer, like people, like there are people who come up to me today who I don't know and say, when they figure out who I am, they're like, Oh my goodness, I was praying for you because my sister was connected with so-and-so. Well, that same Bible study that I started out talking about, I was sitting in a room with your sister-in-law Yes, and she gets this text and we stopped right then and there yes. and prayed for you. I mean, I don't know what time it was in the States, but yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It, like it's, but again, it's beautiful. Little, mm-hmm. little points of these really beautiful moments because of that. Anyway. So people are praying and I'm getting these texts. I'm trying to be quiet. You know, I'm sitting on my phone because mm-hmm. I keep getting texts and phone calls from people saying, we're praying. Are you okay? And mm-hmm. um, at one point we hear these voices this, the group, um, we hear these voices saying, you know, 
it's okay, come out. We are the police, it's okay. And they're very gruff and they're very, like it just didn't sound right to me. And I'm texting Chris or trying to call him, I can't remember it, um, and just saying, what do we do? There's, they're saying that they are the police and we should come out. And he's, and remember he had told me, I'm coming for you. Stay put. I'm coming for you. And, um, and he said, no, don't go because they are calling, they're calling hostages out and shooting them. And that was happening all over. They were calling people out. They were asking them like to give some kind of like give the five pillars of Islam or who was Muhammad's second wife or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't know the answer, they were shooting him. And so that's what he's thinking is going on. And, and um, as I'm talking to him, try, try, or trying to get a hold of him, I remember this blonde expat woman looking at me and she had a blue shirt on. And I remember her just holding up her hands like, what do we do? What do, we do? And I, I was trying to get a hold of Chris. And I was like, I don't know. And they all walked out and I heard a barrage of gunfire. And I thought, we are next. And I remember telling my kids, keep your heads down, oh, stay very quiet. I, I took toilet paper because there was toilet paper lining up behind us because it was a storage receiving area or whatever. I took toilet paper and I just pulled it all down on top of us so it looked like, you know, in the chaos, it was just fallen toilet yes. paper. Yes. And um, and I remember at that point just praying, God, don't let anybody see us who's not supposed to see us. Don't let anybody hear us who's not supposed to hear us. Just protect us. Keep us quiet. Um, and I also at that moment, though, Remember thinking the name is of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And having a moment where I like almost got to laugh with the Lord because I was like, today your name is Unga and toilet paper. And Unga is like the, the Swahili word for flower, which is we were hiding behind bats, pat, pellets of flour and under toilet paper, you know. A tower of flour and toilet paper. <laughs> yes. <Wow>. Your name. <laughs> and um, but it was so that was a sweet place to be because like, I just knew he was near, you know, I didn't have to like conjure him or, you know, he's the God who's near. And I didn't doubt that. And that was a, a, a comfort and a presence. And can I pause to yeah. ask you, what are your children doing? What is their Oh my gosh. Yeah. What, yes. What I'm so glad you asked that question. My kids were so amazing. I was so proud of them because they, um, as scared as they were, and they were scared. Like one of my daughters, like immediately was just looking at me going, mom, I love you. I'm so sorry that I'm so sorry for any, anything I do. You know, I love you. She was telling me goodbye, you know? And, um, you know, some of the kids had to go to the bathroom and I had to say, just go and, you know, yeah. I mean, things like that, you yeah. know? And they, they were just troopers. My youngest one is such a talker. Like that is his gift. <laughs> he can talk with anybody. And he didn't say a word. He was so quiet and it was just precious. The only thing, <laughs> the only thing like hours later, he did ask me if he could play my, on my phone. Cause Saturday, it was Saturday and he was supposed to be able to play video games. That was his video game day. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, not today, babe. <laughs> so that was my second question yeah. is how, what was the amount of time? Yeah. Is there- yeah. So the time that we were in there, we got out about three and a half hours from the time it started. So we were in there three and a half hours. Um, there was like, um, there was, there were lags of time between gunfire and, um, it would be quiet and then you hear eerie things like someone's cell phone ringing from like, I guess a worker's, um, coat pocket or some of their cell phone, but you know, like just weird things like that. And, um, and it would be quiet for a little bit. And those were the times when I remember one time, like recounting with the kids, you know, all the ways that God had been faithful. We had been kept together. 
we hadn't been shot. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah. there were bullets everywhere. None of us had been shot. Um, we knew that Chris and Gavin were safe. You know, little things like that. And um, and then the barrage would start up again, and there would be gunfire and screaming and all that stuff. And um, and I can remember one time one of the kids being very upset, and I remember just being overwhelmed with just reminders of God's word. I'm so thankful <laughs> for God's word because it just came up in like yeah. moments. And, and I remember thinking, pray to the Prince of Peace. Jesus himself is your peace. Mm-hmm. Pray to him. And, um, and that's his promise. He is our peace, mm-hmm. you know? And um, anyway, so then after some time, there was a second group of people who came through. And this time the noises were, the voices were very swoony, like, um, oh, I have to do, I can't, I'm so, you know, I, I have to explain it. Like, they're just very worried and um, concerned, like distraught. And you could just, I remember an Indian man coming around the corner with his son and he had his arms held up, like, you know, he's at gunpoint or something with big eyes. And I remember looking at him and I don't know if he saw me or not. I couldn't tell that I put my finger to my lips, like, don't, don't tell, don't tell that we're here, please don't tell. Cause I couldn't tell. Are these safe people? Are they not safe? Because he's holding his hands up. And they came and went and, um, you know, hours passed and kids were, some of the, some of the kids were going in and out of consciousness. And I remember trying to keep them awake at first. And then I thought, why am I doing this to them? Why not let them sleep through this? Um, anyway, and finally there was, it was about the three and a half hour mark. Um, there was a third group of voices and this time they just sounded differently. They uh, sounded different. They were calm. They were methodical. They were more um, quiet. So I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I could tell that they were making a plan. So it just seemed different, you know? And I heard them go up the stairs. I heard them open the security gate and I heard people come down and I'm trying to get a hold of Chris, you know, Hey, um, what, uh, what's going on? There's this group of people and it sounds like maybe this could be a chance and he said, yes, they are, there are rescue attempts going on right now. If you have an opportunity, you should go. And so in the meantime, like that group of people had come and gone. I was like, they're gone. And he said, just go, um, go leave the phone with the kids and go check it out and see if you can get out. And so oh, I, gee. I went, I got, I left the phone with my daughter and told her, you know, dad's on the phone. I'll be right back. <laughs> and, um, stood up, I went around and I looked out and I could see the, like the receiving area, like, you know, from the street, you drive down and then you're where we are. And I looked up and around to the top of the mall to see if anybody was up top and there wasn't anybody. And there were these three trucks. There was a large truck, a medium truck and a small truck. And I thought that's our path. Hmm. So I went back and I got the kids and we gathered up and I told them, keep your head down, do exactly what I do and don't say a word. And Did you take the two little boys? Yes. Yeah. And, um, I gathered them up and we prayed and I, we went behind the first truck and I looked up and around to make sure nobody was, you know, like sniperish or whatever. And we went behind the second truck and I looked up and around. And I remember at this point thinking, this is like an action movie. What, what is this? You know, so bizarre. And then finally we got to the third truck 
and I saw men in the distance and I waved frantically. And I found out later that the kids behind me were all waving frantically because I told them, do what I do. You know, oh, I know, I know exactly. I love it. I know. And um, these men came, they surrounded us, they picked up these kids and we were able to get out to safety. And one of the most important things to me about the story is when we got free to safety, um, there was a man in an orange vest and he was a, he was a Westerner and, um, and the boys knew him when they saw him, he was a friend. He was known to them and he was able to say, we've been in touch with your mom. She wants you to go to this mall. We're going to take you. And I was able to release those boys to his care. He was the first person we saw. And then I was able to go take care of my family, you know? And so we went out and went around the corner and we're safe. And it was so funny. There was like, we were free. Like, and it's over. Yeah. Like so we I walked was to just a friend's in an house. action movie where my life should have been set yes. to music. And now it's just over. We're just walking on the street. It was so weird. And, and about an hour and a half later, my husband and son were rescued by. I, so I was, yeah. I was curious the whole time that you're communicating with him. He's yeah. hiding also. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was one of those moments like, uh, well, anyway. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's crazy. Oh. So they were hiding in the soup store. Is that just for y'all? Yeah. <laughs> Is that moment just for you? <laughs> well, I think I'm trying to protect my son's anonymity, but no. anyway, he probably wouldn't care. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> just some things that he shared. They were oh. really sweet in that moment. Yes. And well, he's grown, so precious. he can tell his own story. That's exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You don't need to tell us that. So, um. Anyway, so they're sitting there in the suit store, and they're um, with a, a group of people. Sorry, I was picturing a dramatic moment between you and your husband. I was oh. picturing like this very dramatic, like oh, no, no, no. <laughs> movie scene between you and your husband. I didn't realize you were you were trying to not invade your son's privacy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so he, so they were able to be rescued by um, uh uh, some, a group of rescuers and um, they theirs was much more dramatic. It was like yeah. under tear gas and bullets oh, and gunfire gosh. and they were patted down oh, before gosh. they were released. And then an hour and a half later, we were re- reunited with them. And that siege went on for three days and there was a lot of questions about it. And I did not know that. yeah, it went on for three days and um, with explosions and the mall collapsed and all this different stuff. But um, it was a really, it was a really crazy time because I had been so, um, well, it was, it was traumatic, you know, and, and like all of a sudden nobody expected anything else from us except to get well, to, to, to be, you know, we got we had people coming, like we had the FBI come and they debriefed us and, you know, we had some um, counselors debrief us and all this stuff. And um, there were no expectations. Like life mm-hmm. was different. And, you know, it was, God was faithfully healing and bringing life into my life, <laughs> you know, light and life into my life. Um, but it was hard, you know, we, yeah. th- there, were conti- there was continued violence. There were continued attacks for months after that. And, um, like I started struggling with like physical anxiety, um, even though, which uh, it's always made me 
uh, I couldn't understand it because I was like, well, I, God is healing me. I'm, re- I'm receiving healing from him. He's the 23rd Psalm is becoming alive to me. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying art again and expressing myself in that way. I'm, you know, uh, being ministered to through his word and, and through music. And, you know, um, so I am experiencing healing, but what's going on in my body? You know, I'm yeah. physically, I'm, I can't walk outside without feeling my chest tighten up. And, right. um, and so I remember, I'm, I'm, I'm really condensing this and, uh, but, but I remember thinking something's not right with me. Like yeah. I, something's wrong with me. I should be better than I am. Mm-hmm. I should be farther along. Something's wrong with me mm-hmm. that I'm not okay now, by now. Right. <laughs> Would I say that to anybody else? Would I expect that of anybody else? Well, we have, I think that being a Christian, something that comes along with being a Christian is um, an expected pace of recovery. Mm. (laughs) Because isn't he in us? Right, right. Because his grace is sufficient. Yeah. And he is. And it is. It is. (laughs) But, but that doesn't mean that we're not walking around feeling things. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, it's very much like salvation. Like we're saved. But, girl, I, I mess up. Well, but, but there's also a necessity of true lament. Yes. Like, I need yes. to sit with this a yes. second. And that is okay. Yes. I am, um, in walking with you, I know, I, I know this, um, a little bit of the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it for our listeners. Um, you know, this happened however many years ago. Right. And, um. I know that it asserts itself now in the present, that there are times um, that this is revisited. Do you, what are your um, expected or unexpected triggers? Mm, Wow. That's good. They, um, it's good for me to think about because I think they sometimes change too, like different things. Like before it was noises, like we were all very jumpy and skittish at noises because that was our experience. Like we just heard horrific things. Um, now, um, it's, it's different, but like, it's like, a something can happen that's painful in a different way, but it like draws on that reservoir yeah, of pain, right. like that familiarity of pain. Right. And so it, it almost like, like puts it in my lap again. And yeah. It's bizarre, you know, I totally unrelated. I had a spiritual advisor tell me that a lot of times you don't process a a grief Mm. until another one comes. Wow. And so you're kind of a grief behind. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. And, you know, something that they told me as I was, you know, just trying to walk through this with my children was that, you know, at different points of development, they will reprocess. Mm -hmm. Do you know how, like devastating that is to think mm. that my kids are going to reprocess this yeah. <laughs> every time they go through a development yeah. stage, except that God is good and his grace. He really is good. And that pain, although hard is also a really sweet thing that draws us to the Lord, you know, and allows us to experience him. You know, like, like I would not choose Westgate. I would not choose to go through that. I would not ask for that. But I am so grateful for it, you know? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there are so many things that I do day in and day out that make me wonder, okay, so how do people do this without God? 
Yeah. You know, like, yes. how do you raise babies without the Lord? Yeah. How do you stay in a happy, healthy marriage, you know, without yeah. the Lord? How do you persevere in friendship yeah. <laughs> without... Yes. So to think about that with, mm-hmm. with traumas as well, how do people lose loved ones without yeah. the Lord? You know, yes. in so many ways, yes. um, he is a saving grace. Our yeah. Christianity is a saving grace. In some other ways, which we, we touched on just a little bit, um, it also complicates mm-hmm. things. Can In this experience, are you able to speak to both? How you could have never done this without oh your gosh. Christianity, and yet how your Christianity has complicated this process as well. Yes. I mean, isn't that just true? Like, Jesus really is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He really is the wonderful counselor. He really is the one who is near. He really is our peace. I mean, he really is those things, you know, and like that is how I got through it. And, um, and yet I got through it. That's how I am getting through it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, and it is better, but, but also there is that layer of just, man, we, we do, we live in a fallen world. We've talked about this. We live in a fallen world and there are just, it just is. And so there's these expectations we put on ourselves, and expectations that others put on us of like, you know, well, I mean, you have Jesus. So mm-hmm. do you just not believe him? Do you not have enough faith? Do you not trust right, him? Right. You know, and yet your body is crying out, you're not okay. And it's okay that you're not okay. Right. You need to. And I remember, um, I had a really, man, I'm so thankful for my counselor and, um, one of the things she said to me that was really hard to hear, I did not want to hear it, but it it has left such an impression on me. Was She's like, you have got to just sit there. Yeah. You've got to sit there in that dark space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without, without, I feel like a lot of times, perhaps especially as Christians, and this is how it gets complicated, mm-hmm. is that, I don't know if you feel this, I felt this with adoption and, the, and that that was hard mm-hmm. and people really like a good story. Oh yeah. And me as a Christian, I want to represent it well. Yes. I don't want to take this on and and be a mess because of it. Exactly. I mean, so I took on this adoption thing and because it's complicated, I'm telling God's story poorly, Mm. you know? And so I would imagine that perhaps as a missionary, I chose to move over here. Yeah. And so it's like, we need to hurry up and get to the redemption part. Exactly. We need to hurry up and make this a happy ending. Like, yeah, this happened, but here's why it's great. Yes. And it and it is going to be oh, beautiful. Yes. It's just maybe not going to be at the pace we expect. Mm-hmm. Um or even the way yes. that we expect. It's not going to take the turns that anyone expects. But for for me and and I can with you that I think that you demonstrate so beautifully is that it's not the perfection that's beautiful. It's yes. the truth that's beautiful. Yeah. And you so truthfully represent where mm-hmm. you are in each moment of this. And I think that that's the true ministry. Like Mm -hmm. that's the beautiful thing going on here with your story. Mm -hmm. Um, So on one hand, Mm -hmm. we know that Jesus is a healer and we know that he brings freedom and peace. Yes. And then on the other hand, you know, we're in this fallen world and it's dark and um, how those are, those are two very opposite things, but they're both true. Yep. And so how do you hold those two truths in a balanced way that kind of keeps you between the ditches? Man, that's so good. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, truly like that's a good question. 
because there's like, yeah, when, when she, when she mentioned sitting in that dark space, I was like, man, I just want to get out of that. And I know you and I've talked about that, um, that musician, Andrew Peterson. Yes. And he talks about the rain keeps falling and he says, I'm dying to live, but I'm learning to wait. Mm. Girl, that, like that chokes me up because I know that place. Mm. Like I am dying to live, but I am learning to wait Mm. because he is doing a work. Mm. You know, that's really beautiful. Yeah. That, and that like we miss, we miss that part of the redemption story. We miss that part of the healing if we try to rush out of it. Yeah. But man, it's hard. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I don't at all blame anybody for wanting to get out of it. You want to get out of it, but right but like the 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 um the challenge and the the call is to trust the good shepherd and walk at his pace and there i feel like so many times in our christianity we hold opposite things in both hands oh yeah i mean it's it's yeah. kind of pervasive really mm-hmm. yes <laughs> and so we're yeah. called to kind of live in, yes. in the tension is what you know yeah. everyone's been saying lately yeah. um but when i think about Jesus and mm-hmm. and who he is in so many ways we hang our faith on kind of this ludicrous thing that is that's a contradiction in terms right mm-hmm. I mean the people in Jesus's time were like well if he's crucified then he can't be Lord and right. if he's Lord then he can't be crucified <laughs> and so we're we're holding these yeah. these two things at the very same time it's, it's lion it's lamb I'm mm. a, a sinner yes. who's never gonna earn my way into heaven and yet I'm a precious daughter who is invited to sit at the family table called you know, a saint <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but we hold these two yeah. opposite things at the so very true. same time so true and then it's it's that space in the middle mm-hmm. um that I think is just staying present mm-hmm. and true yep I'm just I'm just called to name this experience whatever's true yeah. exactly what it is yeah and Man, that's, that's so good mm. but you're so right like we do want to get to the redemption part of it and it, that is coming you know there is joy in the morning you know yeah um, right. but like the there is also really a lot of beauty in the journey and the, but you don't get to, you don't get to that. If you're trying to rush through it, you know, you miss it. You're just like with our kids. If we're so busy, you know, doing this and that and whatever, and trying to make life perfect for them or do all the best things for them, but we're missing them. We're not looking at them. We're not walking with them. Then, then we missed the richness, you know, that like, the, the real stuff, right. the meaty stuff, you know, right. the words are one thing, yes. you know, like I can say he is good and he is good, mm-hmm. you know, but when I really allow him and, and walk and acknowledge that this is just really hard and my heart is heavy and my chest clenches up when I am in traffic or, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes prayers end with a sigh. Yeah. yeah. Instead of a hallelujah. Yes. And that's okay. Yes. Mm. I love you, friend. I love the way you tell your story. I love, I love how... I love um, that you give me space, too. Mm, generous you are um, with not just, you know, your friends and the people that you surround yourself with, but with yourself, too. I feel like you're such a good prayer. And um, I love looking at your journals. You're just very mm-hmm. intentional about um, the ways that you think. Like you don't have, you don't have reckless 
thoughts, it seems like you're just very rooted. And I love that about you. So thank you for centering me and um, using this story to help people know that there's no rush. There's no rush to make beauty out of ashes just yet. We can. That's his job. Yeah. Our job is to lean in. And a friend of mine talks about curling up on his lap and just giving it all to you know, like just man, pouring it out to him. Love you. And now a word from our sponsors. Hustle 3. You guys, I'm so excited about this. With five kids and a jillion activities to get them to, I don't have time to add a private baseball lesson into the mix, but my newest sponsor, Hustle 3, has come to the rescue. With a very reasonably priced monthly subscription service, all I have to do is take a video of my son hitting a baseball on my phone and then load it up to Hustle3.com, where an expert coach breaks down his swing frame by frame and gives him drills to work on that are specific to his needs. A few weeks later, I upload another video and the training continues. I can stop the subscription at any time and then restart it once the next season's here again. If my son ever decides to start pitching, I'm going to be using Hustle3.com to get him expert instruction from, get this, a former Major League Baseball pitcher. Where else could I get my son access to this kind of training on my time with no driving around town and at an affordable price? I don't know much about baseball mechanics, but evidently, that's what he's learning. The drills teach him muscle memory patterns that don't just get him better, but help him to avoid injury down the road. I'm going to be a member of Hustle 3 community for years to come, and you should too. So if you think you might be interested, head over to Hustle3.com. Give it a try yourself. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Good morning, Kristen DeVore. Good morning. You know, I have two very important Kristens in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them is a little down and out right now. We mentioned in the last episode that Beefy's dad passed away. And so we're just giving her time and space to not ask a thing from her. And so um, I I called the other Kristen in my life and was like, (laughs) How about a how about a step in? <laughs> it's an honor to fill in for Beefy. Yes. Huge, huge honor. Well, um, I just recorded a conversation with Jamie Sewell, who I know you know, um, but her, you know, I wanted to do this last season as well, and this episode has just had a lot up against it. The first time we tried to record it, it erased completely. The conversation was gone. I was so sad, literal tears. Mm -hmm. There were literal tears involved in losing that. I'm, I was so sad about it. I, I literally had to tell myself people are hungry in the world. People are hungry. This is not that big of a deal. It's going to be okay. But I was so sad. And then we get together again to rehab the conversation that we've already done one time. And, um, I go to play it back and it's a whisper of the sound. 
the sound is a whisper. So I have, I fiddled with it as much as I could. And so the sound it's, and it's fine. I mean, it's okay. I just feel like there's a lot working against this episode and I don't think that's by mistake. I think this is a really important episode because I think, and I pulled out this question Mm. from a listener. I think this is the biggest stumbling block to Christianity is how can a good God allow this Mm. atrociousness? And that actually is the question from our listener. It says this, I have a hard enough time myself believing in a God who allows awful things. When non-believers ask me, how can a good God allow atrocious things? What am I to tell them? (sighs) (laughs) So Kristen, go ahead. Oh gosh, this is, Wow, I may fumble my way through answering this because this is this is a this is a big big question. It's a really big question, it's a really big question. And I I can say personally, I've been asked, you know, by some people I love and care for deeply. Um, I've been asked this question, and thankfully, in that moment, the Holy Spirit has given me the word. So I'm gonna just ask Him to do the same right now. Mm. Um, Beauty. For me, I think I always try and find a way to be relatable to people Mm -hmm. when hard questions are asked. And while I have not experienced a traumatic Mm -hmm. um, experience like Jamie and her family did, um, there have been some big ticket items in in my life that, you know, were really hard that would have been really easy just to turn and walk the other direction and just say, why Lord, I don't understand. And, you know, um, and one in particular, probably one of the biggest ones for me is, um, when my husband and I were dating, he was hit by a drunk driver. And, um, if you look at the pictures, he, the Lord clearly had different plans for him. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, when I met the surgeon at the hospital, he said, I, I don't know if you believe in Jesus Christ, but this, he has, he has big plans for this man. And that is the only reason that he is still alive. And so anyways, it was a very long, hard road of recovery for him. And there were lots of ups and downs and spiritual ups and downs. And, um, but standing on this side of it, I have to say that hard situation wasn't necessarily about him and what he was going through, mm. but the Lord, what the Lord wanted to teach others mm. about that situation. You know, the Lord just, I think, asks us to be faithful, yeah. regardless if we truly understand it, understand he asks us to be faithful and believe that he's never going to leave our side no matter how hard, how painful, and that his plan is beautiful and perfect. I'm listening. I'm trying to be the the non-believer. I'm trying to be the doubter, Mm. you know, as you're talking. And the natural question is, so if he would have died, did that mean, does that mean, if my family member died in that accident, does that mean that God didn't have big plans for them. And so kind of trying to wrap your head around both sides of it and, and every coming at it from every angle, every story. 
And the only thing that, that I have to add to that, cause I a- agree with everything that you said is that, and in the other case, I don't think we have any concept of what a blink this life is. And so we can get so fixated on the, you know, the big details, the little details of this life that we lose sight of heaven. And so I, I think I read somewhere that, you know, if you are leaning over the side of a boat in an ocean and you scoop up a handful of water and watch it kind of slowly trickle through your fingers and go back into the, into this ocean. That's your life. Mm-hmm. This water scooped up in your hand mm-hmm. is your life. And then this ocean is eternity. So the Lord isn't as hyper, not to say he doesn't care. I am not saying that. I think he cares deeply. And I can see that in very small mm-hmm. details of my life. He cares deeply and he is with us. Like you're saying, he is near. The Lord is near, but he also has forever in mind when I think right. we can lose sight of right. forever pretty easily. Right. I think about the hard times, you know, that either I have walked through or watch, watching others walk through and in those moments, you know, like I said, it's, it's painful and it, and it, there's times that you just feel like it's not going to be over and yeah, it's yes. never gonna, it's never gonna end. And I, I've had literal situations that I've cried out and have just said, why Lord, why? Yeah. But there's reward in that faithfulness of, okay, Lord, I'm going, I'm going to believe that this hard situation that I'm walking through, that there's something on the other side. And it may not necessarily even be about me. It may be about the way that it's going to speak to somebody else. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about Jamie's story mm-hmm. and gosh, if that is not a story, a beautiful picture of for somebody that's not walking with the Lord, I don't know what it is. Right. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he doesn't waste our pain. There's, there's no doubt about that. He does not waste anything bad that's happened to us. And, you know, thinking about the miracle where he fed thousands and then, and gathering the scraps, gathering the things left over, mm-hmm. everything is used. Mm-hmm. The other thing that, that, you know, if I were to sit across from someone and by the way, this is in conversation. I don't think that anybody is going to, you know, come to know Christ with all of these, these facts or, you know, apologetics, if you will. I, I think that there needs to be relationship involved, but with a relationship, one thing I would say is that I think, you know, you were talking about the pain mm. and the why, and the, I don't understand uh, when we try to avoid that emotion, when we try to lop it off, you know, when you think about like a, you know, the high, high and the low, low and the high, high and the low, low. When we try to avoid that pain, when we try to avoid that discomfort and we try to lop off that end, Mm. I think that we can sometimes kind of inadvertently lop off the other end too. If we're Mm -hmm. trying to avoid the low, low, lows, I don't know that we ever get to the high, high highs. And so in that way, I think our pain kind of paves a way to joy. Yeah. I, gosh, I cannot agree with that more. And so we spend so much of our time and energy trying to be comfortable, comfortable, comfortable when mm-hmm. I don't know, I think we're kind of meant to go here and then there and then here yeah. and there. It's, it's, that's life. That's our experience. Because I think when we're in the highs and there's joy, we can look back and say, oh my gosh, look at, 
Look at where he brought me from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look it's, at where I was. Yes, amen. It's desperation that shows his power. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. if I can get if I can get through that and come on the other side and have the joy and be able to see, oh, oh, I see. I see that I had to walk through this suffering in order to be to this other yeah. side and be yeah. experiencing this joy yeah. and possible transformation or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever the situation is in your life. And that's that faithfulness uh, that you're talking about, you know, needing to be faithful to see it through. And yeah. so, you know, the other thing I would say to that person sitting across from me is bring your doubt. That's okay. Just yeah. show up. Right. It's really just about, it's show, I don't know what you're doing. This hurts a lot. I'm showing up. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> Love you, girl. Love you. <laughs> Beefy thanks you. I've never met anyone like Mary. Well, technically, I've never met Mary. You see, we're internet friends, but don't let that fool you. This internet connection runs deep. Mary is so many things all at the same time. With one sentence, she can make me laugh, cry, think, and deeply, deeply feel. There's just something about Mary. You'll see. I like to remind myself frequently that most of life is not a contest. Unless I'm playing a board game, which I do frequently, or running a race, which I avoid at all costs. I don't really need to compare myself with others. Even so, I feel downright offensive discussing trauma. Although I've experienced some small traumas in my life, on the grand spectrum of things that can twist and break us, my life has been blessedly boring. And that's what trauma is, isn't it? An experience that leaves us broken or bent in some way, big or small, that stays with us and causes us to behave in some adaptive way, sometimes healthy and sometimes not. We do what we can, don't we, to bind ourselves up, to look whole and unchanged, so we can still function without drawing attention to ourselves, to pretend that business is indeed as usual. On a surface level, physical trauma to my shoulder has meant that I can't lift things over my head with my left arm, and putting a shirt on is painful and awkward. Minor issues that cause minor and manageable shifts in my life. I can easily ask for help lifting my suitcase down from an overhead bin on an airplane, and explain it away with, I can't lift that down, would you please reach that for me? Few people, and definitely no strangers, will bother to ask why I can't lift it, and no one will require me to show them x-rays or a doctor's note to help me get my suitcase. Psychological trauma is so much harder to explain, and millions of times harder to ask for help. And yet, when someone says to us, I really can't drive in the city, or I can't go into that church, or even I can't bring myself to go to the dentist, there's something about our human nature that wants all the details and doubts the veracity of the need if we aren't satisfied. Show me your mental health x-rays. Let me evaluate them to see if alleviating your distress is worth my minor inconvenience. I've been in the position of not being believed, and I'm ashamed to admit that I've also not believed people I love. What a step toward tenderness it would be if we could believe one another when we say we need help. If we could offer that help without a detailed work order or itemized receipt for our time. If we could allow one another our adaptations, the cloaks we use to hold ourselves together, instead of demanding that we lay ourselves bare. We all fall somewhere on that spectrum of trauma. Let's be gentle with one another.
Dear Jesus, I ask that you would come as the Prince of Peace and bring peace to us. Allow us to feel the depths of your love within our traumas. I ask that you rebuke any forces of darkness that might try to keep us locked in a prison. You haven't given us a spirit of fear, but instead of love and power and soundness of mind. And that is what I claim for us today. Please pour in your love and grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, fix our memories. Bring us to newness of life. Come into our conscious and unconscious memories and remove any torment that we might be experiencing. Please replace our fears and our dread or our hypervigilance with godly discernment. Bring peace and rest to our hearts. Help us to deal with the anxieties in our lives that come from trauma. Sing your love over us instead. Bring everything, God, into agreement with that song and with your original design. We love you, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for this episode, a special thank you to Chan Redfield for music, Jamie Sewell, Kristen DeVore, Mary Bishop, and Hustle 3. Email us your questions at sinnersaintsister at gmail.com. Keep in touch on Facebook at Allison M. Sullivan and on Instagram and Twitter at Allison M. Sully. And be sure to catch the mini episode for extras. And for more of Mary's writing, head on over to madeforordinarytime.wordpress.com.